0: Sing this with me. God with us, God for us, nothing can come against, no one can stand between us, God with us, God for us, nothing can come against. Stand between us Make you? Yeah.
1: says in Psalm 34, David, he's writing, he says, I bless the Lord at all times. He says, praise will continually be in my mouth. In verse 3, he makes a plea for us. He says, oh, let us magnify the Lord together. Let us exalt his name with me. This morning, I'm excited that we've, I'm always excited to be around the body of Christ to, to do that very thing that we make this about jesus that we lift up his name we put him in the middle of the room it's not about us on the stage it's about the name and the person of jesus and what he's done for us worship is a response to who god is and what he's done for us and so as the psalmist strikes let us come together and magnify the lord exalt his name together this morning if if you're new to north star my name's andrew i'm one of the pastors here excited that you would join us uh, to worship the Lord together today. Uh, I want to encourage you if you'll take a few moments and uh, grab the handout that you received when you walked in. On the bottom there's a spot where you can fill out a little bit of information. We would love to connect with you and we say that every week but we we have a passion to help people connect to a growing relationship with Christ and others. So as we collect our tithes and offerings you'll In a few moments, you'll have the opportunity to drop that in the bucket as it passes. And I want to pray for us and just ask the remainder of the time that we have together today that God would just bless that and he would speak to us today. And as we give, that he would take honor. So let's pray. Father God, we love you. Thank you for this opportunity to come together. Lord, even after a holiday, Lord, we're thankful for all that you've done in our life. And so I pray that you would take honor and glory in, uh, in our praises and, and speak to us in your word. Lord, we love you. Lord, it's all in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. You good morning. How's everybody today? Good morning. It's good to see you again. We're going to be in the book of Habakkuk this morning. This is the Old Testament minor prophet. So if you have your Bibles, I hope that you do. You can turn there. If you're not sure where that is. It's only three chapters and it's super hard to find. Just go to Matthew, and then go left for a couple books. If you have to use the contents at the beginning, that's okay. Uh, this morning, a couple things. When you leave today, I want to encourage you to take a couple of these cards. Um, they're not really invite cards, but you can use this to invite people to church. But it's, it's, it's really to kind of give you an outline of uh, the next um, several weeks in December of the Advent season that we're about to enter in. And it's got our service times. Um, one thing I'd like to point your attention to: December seventeenth is going to be a Sunday that we're going to encourage you to invite people to. Um, we'll have next week some additional invite cards specific to December seventeenth. Uh, the service times are going to be the same: uh, it's Sunday, uh, nine and ten fifty. But then. next week, the 24th, which is Christmas Eve, we're going to do something similar to what we did last year when Christmas was on a Sunday, and we'll have one service here at 10 o'clock. It'll be... Somewhat abbreviated, uh, and, and you can certainly invite people to that service, but uh, since it'll be just one service, we'll be crammed back in here. We won't have anything available for kids, but it'll be a sweet time together as we worship the Lord this Christmas season. So take a few of these, you can put it in your car, on your fridge, take a picture of it. Uh, just a reminder of, of the next several weeks, what we're going to be looking at um, as during the Advent season. This morning in Habakkuk, uh, we're going to spend some time there, but before we do, uh, last week, kind of springboarding off of last week, we looked at Proverbs uh, chapter 3 and verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord uh, with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. And I'm going to use that as a springboard for us to help us understand what's going on in this book of Habakkuk. And uh, it's important that we keep that in in our minds, that we trust the Lord and lean not on our own understandings. And so I want to preach on the subject of divine um, direction from the Lord. We've been talking about hearing from God, hearing the voice of God, the frequency, um, trying to tune out all the other noise so we can zoom in and hear from the Lord. But more specifically, what do we do when we hear from God? And it's not a response or it's not an answer that we would typically like. What do you do? What do you do when you do hear a word from the Lord, but it's not what you would expect? It's not necessarily good news. And we see that all throughout this conversation that Habakkuk has with the Lord. The Lord gives Habakkuk some not-so-great news about what's going to happen to the nation of God's people in Judah. So we're going to look at that because sometimes God gives us some unexpected answers to our prayers. And sometimes when we pray, sometimes we have this tendency of already having in mind an answer that we want to hear from the Lord. And when we don't get that answer, how are we going to respond to that? How are we going to respond when we don't get the answer that we were hoping for? I'm not saying that we don't have faith and that we don't pray big prayers. But the reality is sometimes our hearts aren't aligned with the heart of God. That our desires don't match up the desires of God. And so what do we do? How do we go forward from there? We're going to look at some of these truths. Before we dive in, um, there's one thing that we, we need to understand. That God and us, me, you, and God are completely different. And that's, it's, it's good because that we worship a God that is completely different than us. In Scripture, it talks about how God's ways are, are not our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. That we are completely limited, and God has infinite wisdom and understanding. And we live in a culture, though, that's in complete contrast to that. We live in a culture that praises the unlimitedness of man. We've got TV shows and movies about how you know we can do anything. And we've heard from when we were young that we, if you grow up, if you set your mind to it, that you can do and accomplish anything you want. And while that may be true on some level, we've got to understand that we are unbelievably limited, especially when we compare ourselves to the Lord in His infinite wisdom and understanding. So to kind of illustrate this a little bit, if we could take... The entire recorded history of mankind, if we could condense it down to an hour, our life here on earth is, is nothing but maybe a millisecond or two. Like if we could scale down an entire human history down to one hour, our life... It's just, just maybe a millisecond, not even a whole second. And so because of that, that's going to create a certain perspective in life. Like, we can read about those who have gone before us. We're living in the present, but we don't really know what's going to happen in the future. We're limited in that time frame, in that scope. But God, he's above time. He sees it all. He sees the interplay and the workings of it all. And we're going to see this and how limited Habakkuk's mindset, his perspective is in this passage. Uh, We're going to spend some time, uh, most of our time here in Habakkuk chapter 2 and a little bit in chapter 3. But to catch you up on what's going on in chapter 1, Habakkuk is noticing that God's people are acting in idolatrous rebellion against God. There's some crazy, wicked rebellion against God. And so chapter 1, Habakkuk's got this complaint, this cry out to the Lord, asking him, why aren't you just letting all this happen? Why aren't you just kind of sitting idly by while your people are acting in complete idolatry and rebellion against you? And so the Lord responds, chapter 1, he says, look, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to send the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, and they're going to invade you for a, for a time. They're going to hold you captive. And Habakkuk doesn't really understand. He doesn't, he doesn't believe it. He says, he tries to downplay what the Lord says to him, and he says, Look, no, that's not going to happen. We're not going to go down like this. You're too good of a God to let this happen. He says, You're too holy to let this happen. To us. And so this is the attitude that we approach chapter two with. So if if you're there, follow along, we're gonna start in verse one. And he says, I will take my stand. This is Habakkuk. He says, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me. He said, Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so that he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. For it will surely come. It will not delay. We'll stop there for for a moment. And we read this, and this is, you know, the Lord's response to Habakkuk. And we, we've got to understand the context. He, he goes, he says, I'm going to stand at this watchpost. I'm going to stand at this tower. I mean, I'm going to wait until the Lord comes and speaks, and I hear what he has to say concerning this. So the watchtower uh, had, had a couple uses. Uh, one, uh, a watchtower, a watchpost. Uh, was was good for beauty um, in, in, in the nations and the cities. It looked good for the cities to be lined with these, these watch posts, these towers. It had a military use for obvious reasons to stand guard, watch guard, uh, for enemies who may come in and try to attack. Uh, and then if anybody had any kind of flock or any kind of vineyard, that if they cared anything about it, they would have some sort of, of, of mound or, or, or post or tower where they could be elevated to see anybody who comes in, whether it be a wolf or, or a thief who, who may try to come in. If you cared anything about your possessions, your land, your flock, your fold, your vineyards, you had uh, some sort of a tower. They were made out of stone. Some were made, were just mounds of, of dirt to, so you could be elevated to see out. And even this right here, shows how limited Habakkuk's perspective was and I know he's trying he says I'm going to go to my watch shower. I'm going to get elevated so I can can, can kind of gl- get a glimpse of what you're trying to talk to me about but he's still limited in, in in his scope and time because he couldn't understand what was about to happen because the guy's above time he can see it He says, I'm going to give him a tower. And the Lord answered me. He says, Write it down. I've I've already told you the vision. I've already told you that the Chaldeans, the Babylonians were going to come in and invade you. I've already told you. So write it down. It's going to happen. He says, Don't worry about paper. Write it, chisel it in stone. He said, Make it plain on tablets so that whoever reads it can flee. He says, To run. And look at what it says in verse 3. It says, still, the vision, the vision of what he had already told him that was going to happen, awaits, it's a point of time, it hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, seems like it's not going to happen, just wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will not delay. If there's anything that we can look at this, is we can see that God is faithful to his promise. He says this, this is going to happen because of the idolatry of his people, he's going to do something about it. And through his unbelief and not really, un- trying, not really understanding uh, the perspective that God has, he's like, no, this isn't going to happen. And the Lord's like, yeah, write it down. It's going to happen. And God speaks like this all throughout Scripture. In the Old Testament the New Testament, God speaks like he knows what's going to happen tomorrow. And, and I know today's Sunday, tomorrow's Monday, so for most of us, we kind of have an understanding of what our Monday is going to look like. Coming off the holiday, we're going back to work, going back to school, we kind of have some sort of idea of our agenda for tomorrow, of what it's going to look like, because we have certain routines that we have. We know kind of what it's, what's going to happen, but we're, we really don't know exactly what's going to happen. We're just kinda, we just kind of have an idea. But God speaks all throughout Scripture like he knows what's going to happen tomorrow because he's already there. God's above time. He has a different perspective in our life, and he sees it. In Matthew 24, Jesus is with his disciples, and his disciples were showing Jesus around the temple in Jerusalem. And you can read it. It's just a couple verses there. And the disciples are like, look, look, Jesus, look how awesome this building is. Look how awesome our, our, our temple is. And Jesus responds and he says, look, there's going to be a day soon that not even one stone is going to be laid on top of another. In other words, this temple not even going to be here. And sure enough, in 70 A.D., Rome comes into Jerusalem and destroys Jerusalem, destroys the temple. And it's interesting that sometimes we can get our minds so focused on what's happening and we think, man, that will never happen. But the Lord is above time. And so when something that happens in our life, or maybe something is taken away from our life, we're like, look, Lord, that's not fair. You're too good to do that to us. But we've got to understand. Remember that example? All of life, if it's condensed to one hour, we're only here for a few seconds. Maybe not even a second. We've got to understand and we've got to trust that God is sovereign, that He is above time and He's working He's there. His hand is there. Could you imagine your life without Walmart? Now, for some of you, you would be completely gracious and excited. But could you imagine our our culture without Walmart? Could you imagine our life without Apple, without Microsoft, Google, Could you imagine your life without Amazon? Pretty crazy, huh? In the the Fortune magazine, they put out a magazine every year, uh, and they rank the top 500 corporations based on their revenue in the United States. And I saw an article a couple weeks ago, not long ago, where the article compared the magazine, the Fortune 500 companies, from 1955 and last year, 2016. They compared the list of the 500 corporations. And of the 500 corporations, only 60 were on both lists. That's crazy. So I, I wasn't around in the 50s. No, I didn't make the scene until the 80s. But think about the major players, the major corporations today. And we're like, man, these, these businesses, if they're, they're smart, they're going to be around forever. But I'm sure a lot of people thought the same thing in 1955. But only over 88% of the companies that were the leaders in America in 1955 are major players today. So what that means is that 88% of the companies in 1955 were either, have either gone bankrupt, have kind of restructured and merged with another company, or they're, just, they're still around, but they're not significant enough to make this list. I'm thinking, we look at the Bible, we look at Scripture, sometimes we, we feel like our world as it is, is always going to be like this. But we've got to understand that God is above time. And Habakkuk couldn't understand a life where the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, who, were, who didn't recognize God as the one true God, who were even more evil than anybody that you can imagine, overcoming and overtaking God's people, he couldn't imagine it. Because he always thought, he always believed that how things were were going to continue. He was like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm above time. I'm working something greater. Like, I'm, I'm telling you this, but you're not even going to believe me. i give you another example uh, my wife and I love watching just, just shows and movies and TV shows. It's kind of part of, I guess, any generation now. Um, but we've got Netflix. And has anybody seen the series Stranger Things? Heard of it? Anybody? Cool. All right. So it's one of uh, it's a show that we really like. We've watched. There's two seasons out, and we've watched it all. We've seen all the episodes. We love the show. So let's, take, let's say for a moment that you've never seen the show, never seen a preview, you've never seen an episode, where I have seen all of them. I've seen all, every episode in both seasons. So let's say you were able to take a glimpse of one episode, just one frame from one episode, and then me seeing it all, having seen every episode, we come together, who's going to know more about the show? Who's going to know what the show's going to be about? Obviously, I am. It's kind of how the Lord is. We we just see a glimpse of what's going on in the world, where God sees it all. He's there. Do you ever, do you ever argue with your kids? If you have kids, do you, do you ever argue with your kids? Why do we argue with our children? Isn't it the same reason on a much smaller scale? So my son, he's he's seven months old. Yesterday. And last week, we were um, getting stuff together, decorating the house for Christmas. We put our tree up and kind of rearranging things, the furniture and stuff to make room for everything. And uh, he's in the floor playing with his toys. He's getting to where he's sitting up and playing. And there's an extension cord in the floor, and he gets a hold of it. It's not plugged in, but it's, it's, it's a pretty heavy extension cord. It's got the 3 prong end on it. And he's just having a good time. He's, he's laughing. He's smiling. He's throwing his hands up and down with the extension cord. And I see it, and I notice that the head of the cord is about this far from his face. All right? I'm thinking, I've got to get this away from him, and he's going to knock himself out. And I do. I take it from him. And he's getting to where he, he understands that if he's having fun, he's having a good time, and I take something away from him. He doesn't like that. So he begins to cry uncontrollably. I take something away. In his mind, he's enjoying it. He's having fun. And how wicked of a father that I would take that away from him. But I take it away, and I, and I try The reason. I, I hold it up and say, Dan, this is not good. You're going to get hurt. But all he sees is that he was having fun, and I take and I took it away from him. Sometimes when we don't see the perspective that God sees, there's going to be this friction, this rub. It's not going to feel good. It can be painful. But that's where we've got to trust in the Lord with all our heart. Not just leaning on what we can wrap our minds around. Because we've got to trust. We've got to understand that God is for us, he's not against us, that he loves us and to those who were who loved God that God's hand is is moving in our lives and he's working things out for our good. We've got to trust that. Habakkuk didn't understand that. Chapter 1, he he couldn't understand why a holy God would allow this to happen to the nation of Judah. Chapter 2, he's like, "I'm I'm just going to wait to hear from you. God's like, look, write it down. I've already told you this is what's going to happen. And so in chapter 3, we're going to spend the rest of our time here. Habakkuk does a couple things in chapter 3. If you've if you got your Bibles, it may have a heading that says Habakkuk's prayer. This is his response, his final response to the Lord. And in it, it gives us some implications that of what we can do. When we're with this tension, when we hear from God, we don't understand what he's doing in our life. He gives us some implications for us. Verse 2, he says, "O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. He says, "O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. First thing we see here is that Habakkuk worships. Habakkuk worships. He he gives God glory. He says, I've heard the report of you. I remember the things, the good things that you've done throughout the the life of, of Israel and Judah. And he says, oh Lord, do I fear. Other translations say, I stand in awe. Earlier in the service, it said worship is a response to who God is and what he's done. And this is what he's done. He's, he's reflecting on what God has done. And he says, I stand in awe. He says, do I fear? And then he's praying. He's asking the Lord, hey, hey do it again. Lord, I've, I've seen what you can do. Lord, do, do it again. In the midst of the years, make it known. In the midst of the years, revive it. And wrath, remember Mercy. He knows. He's starting to understand. He's starting to align his perspective with the Lord's. He's starting to understand what's going to happen. The wrath, the judgment that's coming. But he says, remember mercy. Sometimes this is tough to do. It's tough to, to, to worship the Lord when when less than ideal circumstances surround us. But when we worship, it helps align our hearts and perspectives to His Sometimes we don't have the same desires as the Lord, but when we worship, it helps us align our hearts and perspective to His. Verse sixteen of chapter three must have been terrifying; must have been crazy, terrifying, hearing what's going to happen to this nation in Habakkuk. And in verse sixteen, it's kind of a response to that. He says, "I hear, I hear what's going to happen, and my body trembles." My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Sometimes when we look at our life and what's going on and, and, and just the, how evil seems to prevail in, in, in the world, it, seems it's, it's, it can be terrifying sometimes. We've got to trust the Lord. Worship. Miles McPherson said, he's a a pastor in San Diego, he said when we worship, our problems don't go away. Habakkuk understood that what was about to happen. He knew it wasn't going to go away. When we worship, our problems don't go away. But it limits the devil's work. And what he threatens us to do in our lives through those problems goes goes away. How many times have... We allow the enemy to come in and dictate our actions. We've allowed the enemy to come in and dictate our attitude through tough, painful circumstances in our life. So when we decide, "Hey, I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm going to trust Him. I know He's good. I know it's going. I know it's. I don't know how, but I know it's going to work out for my good." That it eliminates the devil to work, do a work in your life at the same time. If you're if you're able to get to psalm 34 for a moment psalm 34 i read part of it this morning but david writes this in an incredible time in his life he defeated goliath the nation of israel was rejoicing they made up a song and i it's crazy i don't i don't they they've got it worded in um in in, in verse Second samuel It talks about how Saul has killed thousands, but but David has killed ten thousands. So God is is, is anointing David as the next king, but Saul is fearful of that. And so he threatens the life of David. So David flees. Saul is pursuing him and trying to kill David. But in the midst of this, this is what he writes. He says, Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. Oh, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. He says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. In the midst of David fleeing from his life, he chose to worship the Lord. He says, I am going to bless the Lord at all times, regardless of what's going to happen. Even if, if death comes for me, I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. Praise is going to continually be out of my lips. Let me ask you this. Can you do this? Can you get to a place in your life where you could choose to bless the Lord and praise Him, magnify Him? One way we can do this is when we come together. That's what he says. He says, let us magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. It's helpful when we come together and lift up the name of Jesus together. Second thing that we see Habakkuk do is wait. So Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 16. Let me read it again. It says, I hear my body trembles, my lips quiver at the sound, rottenness enters into my bones, my legs tremble beneath me, but yet I will wait, I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. This this is difficult to do. Sometimes we're not necessarily good at being patient. It's a fruit of the spirit, and so when we're walking with the spirit, it, it's easier to ex- experience patience. But it's not easy to do. He, he realizes what's g- going to happen to Judah, to himself. Even he says, "He says I tremble, but I will wait. I will quietly wait." For the day of trouble. He knows that God is just. He knows that God is not just going to let this uh, be the end of God's people. He he knows that there's something that's going to come. He says, I'm just going to quietly wait for the day that the trouble will come upon the people who invade us. We know that he knows, he understands now. He's got a different perspective that he knows that God is just. That He's faithful. And He will be faithful. Another way this is translated is rest. He says, I will quietly rest for the day of trouble. What do you do when you rest? When you kick back? You're not worried about anything. You're not worried about what's going on in your life. You're not worried about the problems that you're facing, the circumstances that surround you when you rest. He says, I'm going to quietly wait or rest for the day of trouble, for God to be just in this situation. Can you do that? I'm going to read the rest of this and we'll finish here. He says, Though the fig trees should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, The flock be cut off from the fold, there be no herds in the stalls. He says, I know this is going to happen. This is a picture of what our future is going to look like. He says, even though this is what's going to happen, verse 18, he says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. He's going to praise the Lord. Even though there's pain, even if though it hurts, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. I'm trusting that. He's going to save us. I'm trusting that God is sovereign, that He's working. His hand is in it. And it says this in verse 19, God, the Lord is my strength. He makes, me, he makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on the high places. Let me ask you, can you do this? Can you magnify the Lord in the midst of what's going on in your life if you hear from the Lord and it's not really what you want to hear? If, a, if an answer to your prayer is not what you were hoping for, can you still trust that God is good? Can you still trust that God is faithful in your life? And even though we can only see just a split second of what's happening in our life, that God is above our life and that God is in it all. He sees it all. That we're just here. And we know that God is eventually going to work it out together for His good. Sometimes what's hard about that is that what we're waiting for is Jesus Himself. Sometimes we want Jesus, we want God to just come in and fix our problems immediately. But sometimes what we're waiting for, what we're longing for, is Jesus Himself. We're entering into this Advent season where we're longing, we're celebrating the fact that Jesus has come into this world. We're also longing that for the second coming, knowing that He's our anchor, knowing that He's coming again. Sometimes that's the difficult part because sometimes the answer to our prayers is Jesus Himself. So maybe this season of Advent, as it's approaching, just that longing for the coming Messiah, that He's going to come. That's His promise. That's the only thing that we can really be certain about our future is that Jesus is going to come. That one day every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. So maybe during this next month and the next season in our life, maybe that longing for His promise to come would do your soul some good. Let's pray. Father God, thank You so much. Lord, that your promises are true when you speak, that you deliver on your promises. Lord, I pray that just the understanding that you're infinite in wisdom and, and, and knowledge, and I pray that understanding that would give us peace. Lord, I pray that your sovereignty would, would sink deep in our soul. Lord, that regardless of our circumstance, for the anger that we may have, the frustration, the uncertainty in our life, Lord, that we could have peace holding on to the hope that is found in your word through your promise, that you'll never leave us, that you haven't forsaken us, you haven't betrayed us, you haven't abandoned us, Lord help us to come to understanding that, that that you're that you're good, that we can trust you and rest for the day that you come and you make everything new. That you fix the human sinfulness in this world. all for your beautiful name that I pray.
0: I saw the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from every fear those who know